Well, good evening. Welcome to Shepherding Your Child's Heart. And we're delighted that you're here. My name is Al Pino. And uh, it's, it's our great joy to, to host this as a church, Palm Vista Community Church. And uh, I think our, our heart, our vision, is that we would provide an opportunity for us to talk about parenting. And we've got the whole range of parenting here. Uh, we have some that have been parents many, many years, would have teens. We have some that have kids that are in middle school or, or elementary school. And, and many, I know at our church, are just beginning their families. And some are here in faith, about ready to, uh, to give birth. So Loli and Juan are in the back. If you hear something back there and they run off, it's just because her water broke and off we go to the races. Um, so it's great, great having you here. And uh, we just want to welcome everyone. We've got the bathrooms here are on this side. The guys' bathroom are in the front here. The ladies are in the back. We've got snacks for you out in the hallway. Of course, children's ministry back here. I believe they're going to flash a number that you should have received if you have a child in children's ministry. If you see that number, that means if you wouldn't mind, you can exit out these doors here. And the children's ministry is right in the back, and, and you can uh, see what's going on with your child or whatever help they might need with your child. Um, it's great as well. I know for sure Christ City Church and Pines Baptist uh, have let their folks know. So, Luis Acosta, thank you for being here. Yeah. And your lovely wife? Hi. Monique? Welcome, Monique. My wife, Desi. We'll meet. <laughs> And then Jose Prado. Jose, thanks, buddy, for announcing this to your church. And Christine, did you guys just have an anniversary? It's coming. Well, that's me. You know, I'm either early or late. So so thanks to Pines Baptist in Christ City. Uh, and I know we've got folks from both those churches that are here. Welcome. Uh, we want to be good hosts to you. So if you have any questions, just let us know. And um, we would love to answer those. So tonight... Uh, we're going to have two sessions, a little bit shorter because everybody's coming in from a Friday dragging, fighting traffic on the Palmetto. Then tomorrow, two sessions, and then at the end of tomorrow's two sessions, there'll be uh, a question and answer. Like I said, we've got tons of snacks for you at the break, and um, I want you to feel comfortable and at home. Uh, let me just introduce to you Aaron Osborne. So Aaron Osborne has been a friend for many, many years. I think I, I first met Aaron when he was taking his theological studies up in Maryland many years ago. 20, 19, 18 years ago? In there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then he planted a church in Pennsylvania in the Philadelphia area. And then some five years ago came down and uh, is now the lead pastor of Metro Life Church in Orlando, which is the church that sent us out to plant Palm Vista some 19 and a half years ago. And uh, over the years, Aaron's just been a, a very good friend. Uh, he and his wife, Melissa, they have four kids. And his oldest daughter is back there serving in the children's ministry page. So if you see her, say thanks. And, um, you know, over the years, I've just appreciated Aaron's wisdom. Um, I've appreciated his gifting and leadership, his ability to preach the word and teach the word, and his humility. And we've had a lot of wonderful uh, times together. He is a friend and I think God has given him wisdom, and uh, certainly at this point he's got a daughter that's about to graduate or has graduated high school, and he's got his youngest is seven. 
So he spans the globe here when it comes to uh, parenting issues. So let me open us up in prayer, and then I'll invite Aaron to come up and, and begin session one. Lord, thank you that you have given us the grace uh, to be here. Thank you for the children you've given us. Lord, um, we pray for wisdom. We pray for faith. We pray for vision. We pray for much grace. Lord, we pray for endurance. I'm sure there's some parents here who are, who are, who are really concerned. There are issues in their children's lives that they are crying out to you, and they are concerned. Would you bring them peace and great faith? Lord, for those parents with little ones and they're anticipating the future, Lord, just let them trust you and, uh, and bless them. And do give Aaron much, much strength and gifting and anointing to teach us during these next two days. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So can we welcome Aaron Osborne, please? Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Well, good evening. I know I know a few of you, and some I hope to meet for the first time. I just want to say thanks. First, for coming out on a Friday night, as I already alluded to. If it's busy in Orlando, it's really busy in Miami on a Friday night. Uh, so that you would make the time to come out uh, and take time out of your weekend to do so is, is a real privilege. And I trust it goes without saying, but uh, I'm, I'm here as a fellow parent before anything else. I'm here as a dad. Uh, Al did allude to it. I have a 17-year-old daughter, Paige, a 15-year-old son, Bennett, an 11-year-old daughter, Ellie, and a 7-year-old daughter, Anna. And every day is a reminder, I know very little about parenting. So I hope you didn't pay for this seminar, or at least not pay much at all, <laughs> at all. So I'm going to get a refund or something, uh, because really, uh, we're, just, we're just in this together, aren't we? Uh, trying to uh, soldier on in the grace of God. Uh, in, in raising the next generation, and my goodness, uh, it doesn't take more than 30 seconds of whatever today's news was to remind us we need a generation that's going to go hard for Christ, uh, that's, that's going to follow ours. Uh, and so that's part of our task. But uh, I do want to bring you greetings from Metro Life Church. Again, I know some of you, that, that's a piece of our history that uh, you don't share. But, uh, but what I know you do appreciate and understand is the pages of the New Testament, you just you pick up these glimpses at times of the way this church felt about that church, and, and when that church was sending someone from that church to another city, just, you just had this relational fabric. And I thank God for that, and that Metro has that with Palm Vista. And uh, just to, we hadn't even talked about this at dinner, just, just to try to put all this together in a little story. Uh, Wednesday of this week, I found myself in the living room of uh, Ruben and Ruth Fonseca, a name that some of you know, who are in Orlando, and right there in the door was their son and Ruben's parents, Manolito and Blanquita, and it's a long story how their son made it in from Cuba, but I'm I'm there, and first I'm, I'm just thinking, what, what a privilege that they've invited us into their home. I mean, literally, their son had been there about two hours. You know, he about, had about six hours sleep over three days as he traveled from Cuba to Mexico, Mexico in to the States. Uh, but that they would invite us into that moment as a family. But I'm aware in that moment, I wouldn't be in this moment if it wasn't for the relationship with Palm Vista uh, and, and a trip made with Al uh, years ago uh, to Cuba. And, and so... The relational ties are there. Whether they're new to you or old, I just thank God 
uh, for them. And, and as well, I don't want to embarrass them, but some dear friends have come. If you fought some traffic, uh, and, okay, great, but, but uh, we've got friends from another continent who came. So David and Hadwi del Castillo are here from La Paz, Bolivia, uh, right here. And uh, they're dear friends. I hope you get a chance to greet them. Uh, and meet them, and their daughter's in the running for one of the cutest kids uh, being watched back there right now. So they drove down together with myself and my daughter and her friend from Miami. So all that said, would you open up in your Bibles to Proverbs 22, verse 6, which might be the most popular verse, if there's one standalone verse, on parenting. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, on one hand of the spectrum, there's gospel prosperity that would teach us if we just have enough faith, right? We just believe hard enough for something, it'll come to pass, and we can sort of react to that. No, 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 that's not how it works, but I think at times... I've been guilty of approaching Proverbs 22, 6 in a similar way. Like, okay, so if I train up a child, so if I, if from, from the earliest age, if I can just be faithful and consistent and, and do the right things, then when they're old, which for me, I would like that to be around, say, 11. So if like for 10 years, if we just work hard, right, that, that when they hit 11, when they, when they hit middle school age, there it is. It's just all going to fall into place, uh, I'm imagining your story is very much like mine. Uh, nothing magical happened when, uh, now I have three kids who are over 11, nothing happened on that morning. Like, not, there wasn't this transfer where they just, they just became these amazing, uh, you know, hungry for God people. Now, they have, they have that to some degree, but the point is, we can approach a passage like this. and We can approach parenting. Uh, perhaps not gospel prosperity, but, but legalism and moralism, and this idea, if we just do a certain set of things a certain way long enough, we're going to get a certain result. Now, in our case, we've got one graduating from public school, coming up in two weeks, Paige. Uh, My son, Bennett, is in a private Christian school. My two younger daughters are homeschooled, and we just like to tell people at Metro, all that tells you is we don't know what we're doing. And we can't, you know, we're just, they're, they're across the gamut. Uh, and, and today I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my, the, the middle school where we're going to send our 11-year-old as she goes into seventh grade next year. They need a warranty deed on our house. I mean, like they need blood from us to prove that we are alive and we actually live where we say we live and all this jazz. And it just, it's so, it's so different from years ago. I thought, you know, no, I, I can't do that. The way, the way I'm going to parent my kids is they're all going to stay at home. We're going to protect them and it's going to keep them safe. And I think homeschooling is great. So I'm not here to tell you which educational choice you should make. My point is, from an early age, we thought if we just do a certain set of things that we think are the way, then we'll get Proverbs 22.6. Well, I believe you're well taught in your churches, but suffice it to say, Parenting isn't a quid pro quo relationship with God. We do our end, and God, you'll do your end. This whole weekend, tonight, tomorrow, it's about the gospel and our need for the gospel of Jesus Christ to shape our parenting. The greatest need of my children's heart is no different than the greatest need of my heart as their parent, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so a passage like this we, we, we need to approach in the right way. There, there is a 
general principle and promise being stated here that if by the grace of God we are faithful to point our children in the way, which I want to suggest to you is Jesus Christ, the way is a person, not a method, the way is a person, then, then there ought to be great faith in our heart. God, you're, you're, you're going to be faithful to your promises. But we don't approach Proverbs 22, 6 with a, if I just do X, Y, and Z for so many years, the payoff will come and it will look this way. And, and no doubt parents in this room could tell you, younger parents, older parents here could tell you, right, that's true. It, it doesn't work quite like that. And so I share all that just to say, the, the theme here, I state it tonight, but really it's for all four sessions. It's train your child that Christ is the way. Train your child that Christ is the way. The, the goal of our parenting ultimately, even as I took my 17-year-old to visit Florida Atlantic University today, the ultimate goal isn't what major she studies, what job she might have in the future, And what income she may or may not derive from that. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that I have a daughter who will follow Jesus Christ. That my children would have a personal relationship with Christ. That's the ultimate goal. And uh, it's been interesting, just by way of some intro too, uh, David and Hadwe could attest to this in some of the car rides from Orlando last night and, and today. Uh, my oldest daughter, Paige, at 17, has made many mostly humorous remarks about how different life is for her seven-year-old sister, Anna. Do you get that story, parents, from your, your oldest child to the youngest child? And, and, and Paige was remarking today, she was laughing, reminiscing about the 30-minute rule, which in our house used to be, she was allowed 30 minutes of a video uh, per day. And, and, and that, that's what it used to be. And, and when Paige was really little, that was a VHS for you young parents. That was this machine. That, never mind, you, somebody else can tell you. We didn't have to have any social media rules for Paige when she was five. But all of a sudden, Anna, I, my, my daughter Anna, she's my youngest. I just got this phone three weeks ago. The other day I pop it open and I scroll over and there's like six or seven like dollhouse apps and, and female games. Like I'm pretty sure I didn't put these in here. My seven-year-old put them in. She put, I didn't have to give Paige any of that kind of instruction at that point in time because it didn't exist. I mean, things are changing fast. It's hard to keep up. As a, as a parent, but part of the humor of the conversation has been, Paige, you know what? It's not just that technology's changed in 10 years. Mom and dad are changing too. Uh, we're not the same parents we were 10 years ago. And I thank God. I think there's a lot of fruit from 10 years ago, but, but God made a promise to Melissa, my wife and I, that he who is faithful will continue to do the work he's begun. Second Corinthians 3.18 tells us from one degree of glory, we're being changed into the image of Christ. So we're not the same parents we were 10 years ago. Uh, we're, we're different. And, and, and of course, those of you who have children who span a decade plus, you, you know those stories in your own household, the way the injustices, we like to call them, the, 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 the things you used to have your older ones do that they're wondering what's, what's going on with their younger ones. There's a lot of humor in all that, but there's a lot of reality in that too, that we're growing as parents. And so I say that to say this at the outset. This is actually more about us tonight 
than it is them. The, the us as parents, the them as our kids. Uh, so there too, I hope you weren't misled. Wait, I thought we were going to talk about our kids. We're going to get there, but I don't, I don't know how to talk about parenting without talking about parents and what God's doing in parents. And so hopefully through some of our stumblings, uh, you're encouraged along the way. But ask yourself, how would you define success as a parent? Like, what's the first answer? How would you define success for you as a mother, as a father? How would you, how would you describe that for your children when they're younger? What would success look like while your children are, are young? Let's say under six. And what about that seven to 11 phase? What would success look like there? What about as they hit adolescence? What would it look like? You know, is it survival? <laughs> Just to get through? <laughs> that would be successful. Feels like that some days, doesn't it? Or well-behaved? You know, if they could just be well-behaved, whatever that means. If they could be responsible. If I could just have a responsible older child. What, what is success? And what ideas are we giving our children will be success in their lives? I want to suggest to you tonight, and more importantly, Scripture and all this talk about the heart that Scripture gets to is going to show us that providing our children with a good anthropology of themselves, a good understanding of their heart and how it works, is the most successful thing we can do as parents. And that's going to involve a lot of us sharing our own heart with them, our own ups, our own downs, our victories, our failures, and everything in between. Helping our children to know what and who they've been created for, I believe is the ultimate aim, is the way of parenting. And think about this. uh, Children from the youngest of age all the way up through their college years, how many ways are they being presented? I mean, that's what we're all bombarded with all the time, right? Is that there's this way and that way and this way and that way. They're all the time encountering all these ideas about this is what will make you happy. This is what success is going to look like. This is what you should give your time and attention to. And ours is the task as parents to show them that no, there, there, there aren't many truths. There's a truth. That truth is a person. And he's got a plan for your life. And to, and to begin from the earliest of ages to show them that. And why do they need to see that? Well, because whether or not your children are growing up in the church, their hearts aren't naturally inclined to seek Jesus. Our hearts aren't naturally inclined to seek after the way at all. No, I, I don't imagine any of you had to do this either. Uh, I don't remember teaching any of my children anger when they were toddlers. Did you? I don't remember teaching them impatience. I don't remember teaching them selfishness. I don't remember teaching them any of those things. They just seem to happen naturally. And it's cross-cultural. You do have a cute little girl, but she's got some issues, yeah? (laughs) We all do. We all do. Because our hearts are all the same. Uh, They need exposed to a way. Paul Tripp said it this way. How's this for a goal in parenting? What's our task as parents? Selling something our children aren't seeking. We're called to sell them something they're not seeking. Christ. And the way, not seeking naturally. 
It's not just going to rise up in them. And so parenting is anthropology. Parenting is all about the hearts. Your children, just like mine, are living life out of their hearts. And as they, they grow, as they little by little gain some freedoms and experiences, all those things are serving to reveal what's going on in that heart. So, you know, some common things today, uh, and again, I'm, I'm in the world of, as Al alluded to, a 17 to a 7-year-old. So we've got, we've got it all going on in our house. But it's, it's easy to think that, that, you know, the greatest challenge or the greatest danger my child's facing is uh, peer pressure. Or the greatest danger or greatest challenge you're facing is, is bullying. Or the greatest challenge is, is hormones. And you, you fill in the blank. What do you think the greatest challenge is? You know what the greatest challenge is? It's inside of them. It's their heart. Their heart is their greatest challenge. That's my greatest challenge in my life. What would you say is your greatest challenge? Uh, yesterday... Oh man, I just, I so wanted to blame shift yesterday. So I got this red minivan that I rented to come down here. Uh, and I get to the rental place near the Orlando airport and we rented from them because it seemed like a really good price. It almost seemed too good to be true. Turns out it was <laughs> too good to be true. It said unlimited mileage with like the tiniest asterisk beside the, the E in mileage at the end. And the, the asterisk was unlimited mileage unless you reside in the state of Florida. Like, uh, okay, how many miles do I have? 100 per day. Well, Orlando to Miami and back, that, that's 200 miles, give or take, right there. So that just the down and back is the mileage for the time I have the vehicle. Well, how much is it after that? 25 cents a mile, and on, on, on. And so... I said, that, that makes no sense to me. And the guy says back, well, sir, actually it makes perfect sense because we assume that your car is broken or under repair and so you'll be driving local and that's why we do that. I said, well, well why don't you assume I've got some friends from out of the country who are flying out of Miami on Monday and I'm driving them down in a vehicle that can take their luggage. I mean, if we're going to make us, I literally said this. Like, if we're making assumptions, why don't we go, like, how is that the one assumption that makes any sense to that logic? Like, every single person who rents a car in Florida, who lives in Florida, only rents a car because their car is getting serviced? Like, I can think of a thousand other things you could assume, but all, and, and by the grace of God, Holy Spirit got a hold of me, and it was that stop talking kind of message. Just, just, you're already way behind. You've thoroughly blown a witness to this guy at this point. You know, just, just, just stop. And I did apologize. I said, sir, you know what? I'm going to guess you didn't make the policies, and the last thing you need from me is to stand here and, and, argue with you and be impatient about the policy. So I am so sorry. He's like, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, I wanted to blame shift. Do you have any children in your house that want to blame shift ever? And can we act like we can't relate to them? I mean, I can't rent a car and come down and do a parenting seminar without doing it, let alone not have a category for them. Paul Tripp, he said it this way, the world's blame shifting comes straight out of the chaos of sin in the Garden of Eden. 
The Bible says our relationships and circumstances, those are merely the occasions in which our hearts express themselves. The heart directs teens, he says, but I would add all children. I would say the heart directs us all, doesn't it? And, and so I share this to say this, children, just like adults, live out of their hearts. Too often, I'm looking at one of my children with this sense of surprise over why they did what they did. But again, all I got to do is walk into the car rental agency and discover you know, the same things my kids are working through. I'm still working through. And I got a bit of a head start on them. And I'm still fighting these things. That, that moment at the counter yesterday, what it came down to is, I don't want to spend more money on the car than I had to. And the last thing I wanted to consider was that maybe that little asterisk that was there, maybe I should have read it. Right? Because it actually was down there in the footnote. But who reads that stuff, right? Who reads it? It was there. It was there. But that would have meant having to take responsibility versus sharing what I shared with the gentleman. I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm going to guess, just because your parents and you're breathing, uh, you probably don't have to go back more than seven days. You've got your own car rental story. I'm pretty sure if you take time to think about it. And what it's doing for you is the same thing it does for me, which is I think part of what God wants to continue to help us as parents to remember, circumstances reveal, associations reveal, where your son or daughter does or doesn't go to school, and the things that do or don't happen there reveal. It's all revealing what's going on inside, just like it is with mom and dad. Now, think about this. You ask yourself, something happens with one of your children, and it, it just sets off your impatience ticker. And you respond out of that impatience. I mean, truly, are you then apologizing and asking forgiveness because you're saying to them, you know, in that moment, I was so consumed with the glory of God for you that I was impatient. I'm so impatient. I want to see God in you. Or they just made you late. Or you get what I'm saying? Stuff reveals. It reveals that, man, the same things they're wrestling with, we're wrestling with as well. My, my circumstances aren't causing my responses any more than theirs are in them. And it just shows us, you know, children, just like adults, live out of their hearts. Here's what I'm finding. The more I stay in touch with how, as a parent, I'm still living out of my heart, the more grace can flow from me to my kids as they're living out of their heart. Instead of me from on high, speaking and talking to them as if I can't understand where they're coming from. Uh, Any one of them, had they been in the car agency with me yesterday, could have seen that very, very clear. Using this word hearts, the heart is Scripture's catch-all phrase to describe our inner man. All that we do, all that we think, all that we don't do, it flows from where? From our hearts. And I believe a primary goal, if you will, in parenting is to understand the heart and by grace help our children to understand their heart. We think, we feel, we believe, we desire, we act from our hearts. 
And you know, rules or behavior control, conformity to some external standard, uh, you know, maybe there's something to be said for those things, but none of those things can be the goal unless the goal is to create Pharisees. The goal's got to be that they would grow in understanding their heart. And I just want to say, if, if you came for a fix-it approach, this will be a very disappointing seminar because a fix-it approach so often is trying to do what in parenting? To fix it, but the it is the external. It's not inside. It's not what's going on in the heart. Uh, I, I think, for me, among the myriad of blessings of parenting, I don't know of anything. I'd say more than marriage alone, parenting is that thing in my life that causes my idols to fall. Like more than anything else in my life. <laughs> parenting is what causes them to fall. I mean, it can be any number of things. But parenting just reveals my heart like few things uh, in this life do. And yeah, marriage does that as well, and powerfully so. But at least in, in my experience, four children has a way of knocking idols over that you didn't even know you had until they got knocked over. Unlike, like I've got, <laughs> I've got this project waiting at home, and I'm kind of like, what is the point? And the project is in the living room, there's like, I don't know, like 36 boxes uh, of new manufactured hardwood that's going to go down in our house. And it's there, and I'm talking to my wife about her schedule, and when, when can we do this? Because, you know, once we start pulling this floor up, on it's kind of like it's game on at that point, so what's going to work with your schedule, et cetera, et cetera. But there's this part of the desire to delay in my heart is, is not just our schedule, but our four children. <laughs> and, and, like, what is the point, really, of putting this new flooring down right now because they will treat that new floor like they treat the existing floor. Like nothing's going to change there. And so now, at least with the old floor, when it gets scratched, there's mud on it or whatever, it, like, it just kind of blends in with all the other scratches. So this is like an invitation. It's like I'm going to erect the idol, the new floor, only to watch it get destroyed you know, within the hour or maybe 24 if we obey the rules and put the sealer over it and they don't touch it for 24 you get the idea, though? So many things are like that. Now we're replacing the floor for some good reasons, not, not just to see if it's an idol or not. But I, I know before I've taken one piece out of the box, God, I'm going to need your help with this. I need your spirit to work in me to not make the floor another idol. To not, to, to, to not give my kids the impression that, listen, I know this building has an address and we call it a house, but it really isn't. It's a museum. And what I want for you to do is stay in the roped-in areas. You know, like, let's make a path back to your bedroom and out, and you go nowhere else ever. It doesn't work like that. I mean, crud cutter got invented because we have kids. If you don't know what crud cutter is, go to Home Depot or Lowe's. It's, it's a miracle worker. At least it is in our house. So many things are like that. In parenting, where... We discover, my goodness, I, I, I thought, I 
thought I had, had grown in this area. Or I, I, I didn't realize that had a hold on me. It's just all the time, isn't it? And multiplied by four in my house, multiplied by however many uh, in your house. Uh, so often, I find I'm upset instead of grieved when something happens with one of my children. What I mean by that is I'm upset because of how a situation affects me, the time it requires of me. How many of you have teens, by the way? Okay, how many, you, how many young, you are young parents, how many of you have children who are still in bed by 9 p.m. every night? Is that any, couple of you? <laughs> okay, the rest of us will laugh at you now, <laughs> like those days are going to end. Uh, it's, man, teens, is, it's so different. My wife and I look at each other like, how was your day? You know, and we've got like 30 seconds of energy left because it just, it all, I mean, we're at that phase now where it's like we have to tell our teens to go to bed so that we could go to bed. Uh, that's, that's where we're at. At this point, but too often, I've been upset because of how something affects me, not grieved over what it could reveal about where they are or not with the Lord. And, and even at times where I've detected some godly grief in, in my heart over some situation, it, it just so quickly goes back to me-centered grief over, this just takes work. This, this calls time out of me and energy out of me and et cetera out of me. And, and I'll, I'll just be honest with you, I'm going to speak for Al or Jose or Corey or their wives or other pastors in the room, but that's an added temptation as a pastor. It's not just how you, the time you take for me. It's like how I think it makes me look before other people. Uh, I, I laughed with my daughter. I said, maybe you should sit in this session and like I should give you 10 minutes at the end to just... Just page unplugged. Just is this guy real? Is even what he's saying true? Uh, is this my experience in the house? Uh, actually, I would find that quite humorous because when my daughter's unplugged, it's just funny uh, to me. I never know what's going to come out of her mouth, and it's 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 actually quite humorous. But I know I've done that at times. I've I've made them. They've picked up from me. I'm more bothered by how it affects me than any other. And what's happening in that moment? The idol of self-image is getting knocked over. I don't know what your idols are. It might not be hardwood flooring. could be ceramics. could be whatever your favorite possession is in your house. I don't know. But I do know this. Uh, so much has been revealed in my heart as a result of parenting that I don't know could have been any other way. I think, you know what that shows me? Our children are far more like us than different. I mean, at times, maybe we don't verbalize this, but, but we can act or we can think internally like somehow we're looking at an alien, you know, with some situation that happens with one of our children. Like, like, like we just can't even relate or understand this. Like, yeah, we can. And in fact, isn't that part of the pain in the moment? We actually understand it far better than we may have wanted to acknowledge they're far more like us than different we we can relate and as parents we can regularly see where our hearts our hearts aren't walking in the way which in turn hopefully points us back to Christ which in turn gives us the grace to keep pointing them in the way coming alongside of them compassionately i've got two teens Two and a half. 
uh, an 11 and a half year old who thinks she's a teen. I don't remember this when I was 11. Maybe this is a girl thing. The, I, the, we didn't have preteens in 1985. You, you were or you were not a teen. You weren't like for three years building into, you just, you were or you weren't. So she would tell you she's pretty much a teen, even though she's 11. I'm like, honey, your next birthday doesn't even end with teen. Like you can't yet be. You're 11, then you'll be 12. You're not even like six months in here or, or any of that jazz. But but in, in, in her world, this is, oh, yeah, this is just funny. She, she bought a, she, she got permission from her mom. She went online. She saw this um, shaving thing. Uh, that's like supposed to be like a hair removal thing, my 11-year-old. And, and she, she was bound and determined to get this because she thought, why not just get a head start on this and, and not you know, have to do this? And <laughs> there's, there's a lot more. But wise or not, we decided to let her go ahead and do it, to let her see for herself whether this was a wise or foolish purchase. Suffice it to say, she has discovered this thing is not delivering as advertised. Uh, <laughs> And she's, she's out 30 bucks uh, for it that uh, we're not paying her back for. That was, that was her yard sale money. Um, I remember the name of this thing, but it was like going to be a miracle in her world. Uh, but, uh, and you can let me know later if that was just sounds like unwise parenting there, Dad, to let your 11-year-old. But thought, you know what? Go ahead. You make that purchase. And she learned. Uh, but I think what it gets to is that whether they're actually teens or not, it starts so early. Our children are in these battles. There's these, as mom and dad have different, like none of my children, at least not yet, I don't think the, the status of flooring is their idol. I, I didn't even know it was mine until you start to see things happen to your new floor, but, but they do have idols, don't they? Your children have idols. They have things that like, they are like mini gods, and, and, and I don't know that yours would be the same three, but I think they're common to most of our children. That first one is appearance. And, and I'm trying to just appreciate and not, not turn everything into this massive issue. If I'm learning anything as we're going on in parenting, it's like you can't charge up every hill. Oh, you can. It's, it's absolutely exhausting. And, and we're probably going to miss a lot of things in the process. And a lot of things that would have really just sort of fizzled out all on their own but we made more of it. That was, so we, that's why we let her purchase. We decided, you know what? You run up that hill, honey. We're not going up you, up that hill with you. You, you go ahead and run up that one. But, but the heart behind it is, I remember middle school. I remember those Friday night dances and like we had one bathroom in our house and like the two hours I would be in the bathroom trying to do something with this. Still trying, but not caring as much now. Um, wanting to care for my wife's sake, but anyway, you know. But So I don't fully understand it, but in, in the world of an 11 and a half year old's heart, that there, there's something about, like, if this hair is there and all that, it's okay. I can relate to that in different ways. Or possessions, stuff. I mean, you would have thought World War III started in our house the other day because one child had the audacity to use the headphones of another child without asking. You know, like, because they're certain that the reason theirs don't work is that, you know, and on and on and on. But, oh my, I, can I relate to that? Yeah. Yeah, I can. 
you know, going out in the garage looking for this screwdriver the other day that's not there. (laughs) And knowing where to go to find it in a particular child's room who oftentimes is actually helping me out with things like that. Appearance, possessions, acceptance. Uh, and, you know, that's a, that one. We, we moved, uh, I was 11. Yeah, we moved when I was 11 to a, a, a new town, a very small town, very, very small town. And uh, I was, so I was the new kid in the school. We went from like a larger community to a small community and, and I had all at the same, it shows you how small this town was. These poor girls had no other choices. Uh, but I was getting love letters from, from these girls on the first couple days of school. And I was getting hand signals from the guys, if you know what I'm saying. And man, I remember that though, like it was yesterday, like the, the, wow, this is cool, whoa, this is scary, what, you know, just trying to figure out what, and then, you know, and then like a new kid moved in two weeks later and it all went away because then he was the new kid. But, but for those two weeks, just that, that torturous place of trying to figure out how to be accepted and how to be liked by everybody simultaneously. Now, I never grew up as a girl, so I can't relate to that world, but I do remember as a guy that longing to be accepted. And so now, times like uh, I'll hear my oldest daughter talk about it, a lot of it's humorous. Man, she had a rough go when we first moved here. Not here, Miami, but here, Orlando. It was tough. And add to that that uh, at the time, I stepped into being the youth pastor at Metro Life Church. So this my poor oldest daughter's got, not only is she new, but her dad is now leading the kids' ministry. You know, and kids never say cruel things to kids, right? Not in the church anyway, right? <laughs> not in churches where parents teach methods and models about, you know, no, kids are kids no matter where you find them. And she's older now, they're older now, they can laugh about some of those things that are said. But my point again is, we don't approach our kids and the idols they battle with as if we're just looking at them like they're aliens. No, we can relate to every single one of them. And the more they get that from us, from even the earliest ages, I believe the more they're going to experience the mercy, the grace, the compassion of the way, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we try to come alongside them, help them to see what it is God might want them to see. And what is that? And this would be a good place to wrap up this first session. Successful parenting, I asked. How would you define it? I would say one, one way I'd answer that is this. Helping our children understand that the heart, more than anything else in their life, is going to help them to see what they worship, who they worship. The more you know your heart, son, the more you know your heart, daughter, the more you're in tune with what you worship. True as adults as well, right? It's no different. The heart is everything. It's who and what we are. 
You know, Sunday morning in the auditorium, everyone's worshiping. You know, uh, I remember one Sunday just uh, asking one of my children, you know, what, what's going on there? Uh, and it, it had to do with, uh, they were next to a friend, and I asked the question because, you know, I'm not staring at my children during worship, but, but I just kind of noticed, huh, I think they, anytime I've looked at them, they're singing, but now they don't appear to be singing, like, it was different. And I just asked, you know what? Took a little while, took a little while, took a little while. Find out. The friend said something about her voice because it cracked once during a song. And the friend didn't mean anything that hurtful by it, but just pointed out, ha ha, you, your voice cracked. But she didn't say anything to her friend or anybody about how that made her feel friend is still standing next to her. Like we, we typically have like nine other children that are not ours. Somehow I end up buying them lunch most Sundays. But anyway, it's like they're all there in the row. And uh, this one child of mine isn't singing. And come to find out, it's because they're concerned that their voice will crack again. And the friend's going to hear it. and They're going to laugh again. And it turned into a great conversation. Like, yeah, that, ah, I'm sorry that happened. Uh, but they're getting older now, and we were able to talk about it. So do you think you weren't worshiping then? Or do you think you still were worshiping? I wasn't worshiping. You mean you weren't singing? And as we kept going, oh, in that moment I am worshiping. Now it isn't the Lord, but it's that. And, and there's a lot in there, right? I mean, you're young, and you're, you're just growing and those things hurt, but, but there's a worship going on there, isn't there? It, it's, it's, what is this person going to think of me? Worship. We're all, I mean, I'm worshiping all the time on Sundays. And sometimes I'm singing. You follow me? I'm worshiping all the time. And sometimes I sing too. It's all, it's all about what's going on in the heart. I can relate to that child. I can relate to that dynamic that I'm either going to worship the Lord or something or someone else. It's not going to be I'll worship the Lord or I won't worship. It's going to be I'll worship the Lord or something or someone else. I'm always worshiping all the time. And so again, as I'm walking with my children in their various ages, I can relate. Uh, so many ways that, again, I don't, it's not like I have to go through this Rolodex of, 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 of a year. Just, just in a week's time, yeah, I can, I can relate to that. I understand that. One gentleman, again, Paul Tripp, he, he kind of helped me think about it this way. He says, when my child is young, He's pretty much caught up in whatever my agenda is. You remember that? When your kid just got in the car because you were going somewhere? (laughs) When they were little? I'm in total control. He goes wherever I take or tell him. The only friends he has in the house are the ones that I approve. However, the more my teenager's world widens, the less that's true. This adolescent sinner has a remarkable ability to mess up my world. His choices increasingly collide with mine. 
A teen struggles to come to terms with life, to grow up into an adult identity. Every teenager is also a sinner trying to learn how to live in God's world and the kindness of Christ, hopefully learning what it means to be godly and learning about the dangers of sin. These dynamics, though, have a huge impact on my life as a parent. And if parents don't respond in godly ways, it makes sense that they'll sometimes resent their teenagers. Now, what's he getting at? He's getting at how parenting is the season of our lives where not just idols in our children's hearts are exposed, but the idols in our own are exposed. Have you ever resented one of your children? Why? What brought that on? What, what comfort was affected? What, what control had to be ceded? You ever, you ever just been angry because of the time, because of the cost? And all that's just revealing things in us. And so, just trying to get at here, this idea that train up a child in the way he should go, even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. This isn't a a moralistic thing. This isn't a do it for the first 10 years and you're going to get this. I'm still getting trained in the way. Now I'm a Christian. I've been one for 26 years. But I've been growing for 26 years. Some days seemingly a little more than other days. Some days seemingly backwards. But I'm still getting trained in the way. So it's going to make sense that our children need trained in the way. Can we pray? Lord, I know this session is intentionally broad, but Lord, I pray what it, it begins to focus us in on is how like we are with our children, how similar we are to them, that there truly isn't anything from our toddlers through to our teens and and young adults into their 20s. There's nothing they'll go through that we can't relate to. If, If not in all the details and circumstances, certainly in the heart. Lord, thank you that you're still training us in your ways. And would that fill us up with compassion and mercy and patience to keep pointing our children in the way. And, and Lord, I would imagine even in just this brief session, maybe, maybe we were reminded uh, or maybe saw for the first time an, an idol that lately has been getting toppled and how we've been responding to that toppling idol. Lord, help us to discern by your spirit what you're teaching us in that that in turn, we can graciously have that to offer back to our children. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.